Great day, everyone. Welcome to the Watching World podcast, a podcast of abundant life in Lee Summit, Missouri, whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. And I'm Liz Norman, your host, and it is coming Revival Weekend. We all need revival in our hearts, in our minds, our churches need revival. God's people need revival. The Revival Weekend is coming up August 19th through August 21st, livingproof.co slash revival to register. Um, If you're from out of town, we'll host you. There's hosts, gifts, special things, worship messages, baptisms, family fun, all kinds of things going on all of that weekend. It's an exciting time. And who better, in my opinion, than to talk about revival is our lead pastor himself. Pastor Phil is back in the hot seat over there and the other mic. Pastor Phil, good morning and and welcome back. Thanks for coming. Super excited, Les. Love you. And I'm so thankful to get to uh, talk about one of my passions. One of the things I love the most and pray for often is true revival, heaven-sent revival, Holy Spirit revival, a move of God, indescribable, undeniable. Mm -hmm. It's what we're praying for. Yeah, you know, this that reminds me, and I wasn't even going to talk about this, but as you're talking, it reminds me, I think it was maybe two years ago, we were a one week, and you were speaking on the platform, and you had prayed, and there's 500, 600 people in that mm-hmm. auditorium, and then we had a little debriefing after, and we sat in a circle, and we got ready, and you spoke, and I remember you saying, did you hear that holy hush come over the room? And, and I remember that moment where it was this quiet don't speak a word. It was a Holy Spirit, a holy hush over that room. And I felt like my heart was going to come out of my chest. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just an amazing moment. So, you know, God is, is leading something in the hearts of his people. We've got Revival Weekend coming up and, and we continue to talk about it. What is revival mm-hmm. and why do we need it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up that moment. It was a holy hush for sure. I think a lot of people in their mind's eye, when they picture revival, it's uh it can be almost a circus. Uh, they picture, uh, you know, something that's loud and man, it's exciting. But sometimes, honestly, when the Holy Spirit invades our presence, yeah, it can leave us speechless. Mm. I think that's what happened that night. Yeah, it did. Just a, a, a holy, uh, speechless uh, moment where there was just this this sense of um, man, I don't even want to breathe. Right, something so holy is going on right now. Yeah, and there are moments like that that I can remember. Uh, and and certainly we're praying for that in the body of Christ in even larger, greater ways in the days ahead. What is revival? Revival is a, a word that a lot of people can confuse, and a lot of people picture a lot of different things. If you're raised in a church culture, when you hear the word revival, you might think of, uh, you know, the evangelist coming in, and he's going to preach a uh, a series of messages throughout the week. Uh, you know, in the old days, it would have been a tent revival. They would have set up a right. tent and you would have had a, an open air meeting and there would have been a special speaker that supposedly, you know, is just awesome. And, uh, you know, but that's not what revival really is. You can't plan revival. You can't program revival. You can't set dates for revival. Revival is a, is a, is a spiritual move of God that is not human engineered. It's not man-made. It's not man-manipulated in any way. Uh, It is, uh, when I say indescribable, it is, but it's undeniable. Meaning when you see it, you know it, but you can't fully describe it. You know, all kinds of books have been written about it. 
but it's not something can be captured in a book. You know, there's all kinds of people that have talked about it, wrote about it, and we pray for it, but it's not something that you can fully teach. It is something that the Spirit of God does. It is supernatural in nature. It's not natural. And we can see it throughout church history. Of course, uh, you know, even secular historians talk about the first great awakening and the second great awakening right here in the Americas, uh, where there is a, a measurable, noticeable something going on that, that even secular historians today have recorded. In the days of, uh, you know, George Whitfield, uh, in the uh, early days, um, before the revolution even. And then, of course, in the 1820s and 1830s, the second great awakening, a man by the name of Finney, God was using on the Western frontier. These are times where tens of thousands of people were awakened for their need for Christ and came to faith. And there's all kinds of historical accounts of, you know, the great camp meetings, less that, that happened on the, you know, the frontier as people were moving west. And for days and days, they might set up in the middle of a clearing in the woods somewhere, and thousands of people would gather. Pioneers would come from miles and miles around, and that's where the old tent revival, I think, probably comes from. The camp meeting is what they call it. Anytime you want to combine your love for the Lord and your love for history, you go right ahead. Mm -hmm. Because I hear hear about those pioneers, and I love history as well. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Please continue. Well, there's so much to learn from from the past Mm -hmm. about what God can and will do in the present. And this is why I love the study of God's Word. I love to study history because, yeah. uh, you know, God's Word is a history book. It's not just a history book. Uh, it's so much more than a history book, but it is a history book. Mm-hmm. And so as we look behind us, there's a lot to learn about revival from great moves of God historically that are undeniable, yet somewhat indescribable. So what is a revival? The Bible describes it in a number of ways. The Apostle Peter was preaching Actually, his second great sermon after the great sermon he preached on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 3, he says these words after having healed a man at the temple. Of course, a great crowd had gathered. He says in verse 19, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so uh, revival is described as a time of refreshing. Uh, that comes from what? From the presence of the Lord, Mm -hmm. the presence of God. And of course, there's a condition for the presence of God. He says, repent, Uh, repent of sin. Repentance of sin is what ushers in God's presence Mm -hmm. among men and women. And the refreshing comes from the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God refreshing us. Think about a desert, a dry, arid place right now. Here in the Midwest, we're in a horrible drought. As right. it seems, we get you know a full weeks of rain, and about three weeks in May and June, and then we get about three months of just drought. Right. So right now, you know the the cracks in the ground are everywhere, and you almost just can't water your garden enough. It just right. you know really really hard. Just just imagine the dry, arid, cracked ground of of ground that has not had rain for weeks or even months, and then suddenly that rain comes and refreshes everything, and things begin to grow, and things that were brown and had gone dormant and died all of a sudden come alive. That's what happens in times of revival. The church needs revival. Uh, So a lot of people confuse revival and awakening. You hear those terms used interchangeably, but 
I don't think the scripture teaches that they're quite the same thing. So you can't revive something that had never had life. Right. Right? Yes. So revival speaks to the church. Revival speaks to those of us that have been born again. We have spiritual life. But there are times that we can begin to become a little bit comatose. Still alive, but barely. Right? And so that's why, you know, you see several passages in David's life, for example. He had sinned horribly with Bathsheba. And, uh, and Nathan has confronted him about his sin. And one of the marks of revival is always a repentance of sin, mm-hmm. a greater awareness of sin, and a cleansing of sin, a pursuit of holiness and purity that comes from the presence of the Lord. And, and David is now smitten with his sin, Nathan having pointed it out to him. Psalm chapter 51, he is praying, and, and he prays this way in Psalm 51. Uh, in verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And, and that's a prayer of revival. Love that verse. And right now we're in the middle of uh, 40 days of prayer, and you know, several thousand people have signed up for our prayer prompts, and every day they're getting a prayer prompt. And these are the kinds of p- passages that we're praying over. And Chad, a few weeks ago, preached out of Daniel 9 and Daniel's prayer. It was a revival prayer a similar prayer to Nehemiah. And Daniel, of course, was a captive in Babylon. And the problem, unlike Daniel, many of those captives in Babylon, not only did they live in Babylon, but Babylon lived in them. Right. Important to understand that distinction. Sure. Yeah. And that's a picture of the body of Christ today for many, many believers. The problem is not that we live in this world, but the world lives in us. Amen. And so as we begin praying that God would do a supernatural something, this revival is not something we can do for ourselves. It's not something we can work up with self-determination. It's not something that can be worked up just with uh, pure emotion. It really is a a work of God's grace in our life. Grace means all of God and none of us. Amen to that. As you've been praying for that, God God begins to answer that prayer. That's what David is doing, creating me a clean heart. God, my heart is so wicked, so sinful. Unless here's the reality, uh, the more... You grow in Christ's likeness, the more you become aware of your own depravity. Mm. Like, uh, I, you know, I'll openly admit, my heart, apart from Jesus, is wicked. Yes. Just even this morning, just the last few days in praying and thinking through, sometimes I just wonder, I mean, I know why, but sometimes I just wonder, God, why do you even consider me? Uh-huh. I am nothing before you, and yet you love me that much. Apart from Jesus. That's it. We know our true condition. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, with Christ, not the beginning, at the end of his life, he said, I'm the chief among sinners. Mm -hmm. Romans uh, chapter uh, seven, he wrote, all that is in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Yeah. So when you're in the presence of the Lord, you see God for who he is, and then you see yourself for who you are. And apart from him, you know you can do nothing. That's sobering. It's sobering. What a reliance on God we must have. So this is the beginning, though, of revival. You begin to pray, as Chad said, as he preached through that prayer of Daniel, you begin to pray back God's word. You begin to pray back God's promises. This is always the beginning of a revival. This is the way you pray for revival in your own life. As he used Gypsy Smith that day in that sermon a few weeks ago, the old illustration of the old revivalist Gypsy Smith that God used mightily in a bygone era of revival Take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself and say, God, let it begin with me. Let it begin here. It's easy 
to talk about everything out there and all the problems in the world and how much other people need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the times of revival, we begin looking inwardly, not outwardly. That's good. I hope people are praying right now a prayer really found in Isaiah in chapter 57 and verse 15. For thus is the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite, humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And so uh, what is God saying? The condition of revival is a humble heart instead of a proud heart, a proud heart that says, you know, I'm pretty good the way I am. I don't need revival. Other people do. A contrite heart. Contrition is submission. Mm-hmm. See, we, we can't usher in revival, but we can have a little control over the conditions of revival. It's like a, a greenhouse. You know, what is a greenhouse? A greenhouse manipulates all the conditions, regardless of the conditions outside. A greenhouse controls the conditions on the inside. So the conditions for growth uh, are just right. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a climate controlled area where the conditions are controlled, where life can happen, where new growth can happen. And so God is saying these are the conditions of revival. A heart of humility that recognizes our desperate need for God, a heart of contrition, that it's in a place of submission. Then he says, I will revive the heart of the contrite ones. I will revive the spirit of the humble. And this is what the church needs. Our church, the church, the body of Christ all over America, uh, a a body that is in atrophy because of spiritual complacency Mm. and just plain apostasy. I'm praying for revival in the apostate church. Uh, I'm praying for revival and repentance uh, in the church across America, I'm praying it begins with our church, uh, that, that there'd be something that's very special, indescribable, but undeniable would happen in the body of Christ right here at Abundant Life and, and then beyond. But then awakening is something different, Les. You can't revive something that never had life. You revive something that was once alive and has since died. Uh, but awakening has to do with something else altogether. The, these two things go hand in hand. Where you have revival, you you often have awakening. Awakening deals with the unbeliever, the mm-hmm. one that was never given life. Remember Ephesians 2.1, we are dead in trespasses and sins. That's your condition before Christ. You're dead spiritually. Right. And so what does it say in Ephesians 5.14? Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life. Awakening happens when uh, the dead begin to wake up. And of course, uh, sleep in the Bible is a euphemism, a metaphor of death. Awake you who sleep. He's saying, you're the dead. He says, arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. And this is what happens. And not only do you have those that are born again already that have become spiritually complacent and died in some way, reviving coming to life again, but now you have the unbeliever, those that never had life, they're coming to faith in Christ now. And this is what historians recognize at several places in our, our nation's history. The first great awakening, the 1720s through the 1740s, the second great awakening about a century later. You have the revival of the early 1900s, 1904, that really began in the British Isles and leapt the Atlantic 
and uh, really impacted deeply the Americas. You have the revival actually shortly before the U.S. Civil War started in New York. Uh, it was a, called the Businessman's Revival as a single businessman began inviting other businessmen in New York over their lunch hour at noon to gather and pray. And before that thing was over, as many as 2 million people had received Christ. Mm. You have even more recently, I think, the Jesus movement of the 1970s at a time where America was going through a lot of what we're now going through. In fact, we're living now in the complete fruition of what began in that generation of the 1960s, the sexual revolution. But there was another revolution going on too. It was a a revolution of, of young people who were coming from the hippie culture the drug culture, yeah, but they were getting high on Jesus. And I'm telling you, historians look back at that time and realize something significant happened. It was more than just a religious fad that faded away. It was more than simply emotionalism. It is something significant happened. And some of the Christian leaders today and the greatest leaders of our day uh, were saved in that, in that movement, the Jesus revolution of the 1970s. Last. You used the word right there, emotionalism or emotion. And although there's emotion involved, revival isn't just about, oh, you have an emotional moment or two. Revival is the Lord doing the work, the Holy Spirit bringing revival to our heart, revival to our life, revival to our church. It's his work. It changes us and draws him, draws us to him. And so oftentimes that word emotion comes up. and, and, And I talk to people quite a bit who ask me this question about emotion. And, and our, our revival and turning to the Lord and walking with the Lord steadfast and realizing that we need to be humble and we need to be contrite, it's not just emotion because emotion comes and goes. Absolutely. And I love the gift of emotion. I can love my wife emotionally. I can love people emotionally. And I can love the Lord too in that way. But again, emotions were from where I sit, mm-hmm. I can't trust my emotions because mm-hmm. oftentimes I react or act upon my emotions instead of being steadfast in the Lord. And that's that revival that God wants to give us where we are just renewed and refreshed and it all comes from God. Well, here's here's what I know. A lot of people think, oh, there's a revival movement going on here. There's a revival movement going on there. And all it is is frankly manipulation mm-hmm. and pure emotion. Yeah. And the reason you know that to be true is because once it's over, Nobody's life has really changed. Yeah, that's man-made They continue stuff. living their sin, carnality, mediocrity, apathy. And it's really nothing more than a spiritual pep rally. Mm-hmm. I've said before yeah. that we, we need more than a spiritual pep rally uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, you, you can get the hair on the back of your neck to stand up at Arrowhead Stadium this fall with 70,000 people going crazy after the Chiefs score. Right. All right. If you if you just want the hair on the back of your neck stand up, you can go to a rock concert or uh, the music of your choice. Here, here's what I know. A good movie. Sure. Yeah. Sure. If, if all you want to do is go have a good cry, you know, go watch Braveheart. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> After you run through the brick wall. It still brings a lump to my throat. Okay. <laughs> here's the point, though. It's got to be more than that. Sure. Uh, emotions come and go. It's not that emotions are bad. And I would suggest that when you're in the presence of God, it can be a very emotional experience. Oh, of course it can. I wasn't, I'm not downplaying that I, at all. I, you know, we, we had one of our worship nights a while back and uh, Sean said he looked down, he, he saw me on the front row and I had tears rolling down my face. Here I am, a grown man, six foot six, 245. I don't look like a man that ought to cry, but when you get in the presence (laughs) of God, it can be an emotional 
experience. But here's Amen. the point. If it's yeah. just emotion, it's not going to last through Monday morning. Right. What I know about revival less is it's lasting. There's a change that takes place in one's life that you never go back to what you were. You never are again the same. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. So revival weekend coming up, August 19th to the 21st. Yeah. What can we expect? What are we doing over revival weekend? Well, the, the theme is forgiveness. Less forgiveness of God for us, and then forgiveness of others in our life. Mm. Uh, so Friday night, I'm preaching what will be a very evangelistic sermon. I'm praying people will bring friends with them that are far from God, Amen. That, that people will invite. You know, one of the invitations that Jesus gave as he named his disciples, it was come and see, come and see, that people will say, hey, just come and see, that people will hear the gospel that need to be forgiven from God. It's going to be a Friday night is not going to be what I'm praying for revival. I'm praying it'll be awakening where people who are in the audience that are far from God will be awakened to their need for Jesus, the, their need for redemption, their need for forgiveness, that Jesus died for our sin so that we could be awakened to new life in him, born again, having been forgiven. And then Sunday morning is going to be something, you know, our counseling center deals with thousands, thousands of appointments every year. And you know what our counselors will tell me? Because I'll ask from time to time, what are you dealing with the most? And it tells me a lot of, um, of how to minister to our body based on what people are coming for counseling for. One of the number one hitches people have is they can't forgive themselves. Hmm. They know they've been forgiven by God. I've lived there. They, they know they're Christians. They know they're born again. They've been forgiven by God. But Satan steals from them what Jesus called life abundantly by making them prisoners of their past, sins they committed 20 years ago, they still cannot forgive themselves. That's Sunday morning. Friday night, I'm preaching on the need to be forgiven by God. Sunday morning, I'm preaching on the need to forgive yourself. And so many of you out there listening right now, if that's you, that used to be me, yeah, not anymore, but so many of you are dealing with that. And if that just hits your heart, if that just hit you, and, and you just said in your mind, that's me, they're talking about me, then you need to be there. God offers grace, not guilt. That's right. Satan Satan wants to bind you with guilt. God wants to free you with grace. Yet so many people that have been saved by grace continue to walk in guilt. That's why I'm doing Sunday morning. And then Sunday night, Chad Glover is going to preach. Uh, and then of course, man, as a preacher, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit of a preaching snob. There's there's not that many guys I like to listen to, okay? But I love listening to Chad Glover, our teaching pastor. So, I love listening to you both. He inspires me. And the way God uses him, it moves me. He's going to preach on the need to forgive others. Mm. One of the number one things that holds people in captivity, the bondage of bitterness. People have hurt them deeply, betrayed them deeply, and they cannot or will not forgive their enemies. Mm. And Chad's going to preach on not only can we forgive those that have hurt us, but it's a mandate that we forgive those who have hurt us. Yeah. And that's a mark of revival less. When revival has come to your life, you know you're forgiven by God, you've forgiven yourself, and you've forgiven others. Oh, I love That's it. freedom. That is freedom. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that mm -hmm. Christ set us free. Amen. So revival weekend, August 19th through the 21st. Bring someone that you know that doesn't know the Lord. It's going to be an amazing weekend. It runs Friday through Sunday. Go to livingproof.co slash revival to register. There's going to be some worship, messages, baptisms, family fun, all kinds of things. Uh, and again, livingproof.co slash revival to register for that weekend. Pastor Phil, always a pleasure, always an honor. 
Thank you for loving the Lord and preaching the truth of God's word consistently, man. It's it's unbelievable to be able to come to a church that I can trust my pastor, his bride, his family, that it's not about you. It's not about anybody but Jesus himself. Thank you for that. Praise be to God, Les. Love you much. Amen. Love you too. And remember, for all of you, again, that's livingproof.co slash revival to register August 19th through the 21st. And if you want to know more about Abundant Life, Next Steps, Ministries, and so much more, simply go to livingproof.co. For Pastor Phil Hopper, I'm Les Norman. Thanks for joining us today on the Watching World Podcast.